here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word.
It's always good, I think, to try to imagine the circumstances in which all this wonderful truth that we read about actually took place. It's real people that Paul is talking about. Just people like you and me, people that are faced with all sorts of challenges in life, struggling through issues. You know, here's a guy sitting in prison where he spent a lot of time actually taking the time to write and encourage people that he's never even met, but who he knows have been imparted the wonderful truth about the grace of God. And he wants them to really grasp the fullness of that and what it means to live in the fullness of Christ. Amazing. So, how did these people come to hear the gospel? Now, there's another interesting little insight that we sometimes miss because we're so in a hurry to find out what are the things he's talking about. As I said, he didn't know them personally, but in 1 Corinthians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, he mentions a name by the chap by the name of Epaphras. He said, you know, I haven't, I haven't taught the gospel to you, but you heard it from Epaphras. So now, who's this guy, Epaphras? Well, the August refers to him as a fellow servant and a faithful minister of the gospel of Christ. But this is a wonderful example that you can miss so easily when we look into Colossians. Here is a wonderful picture unfolding to us of church life. And I must say that we are very privileged because I see exactly this happening in our church. That's wonderful. But what has happened here is that it's a, it's a picture really of church planting. This is a picture of how the gospel spread in New Testament times. How it spread and how communities were established, churches planted. And the gospel spread through the whole known world at that stage without any technological backup whatsoever other than human beings that have been touched by the gospel. So here was Epaphras. I presume he might have been quite a young guy. He went from Colossae, he landed up in, in the city of Ephesus, which isn't too far away. And while he was in Ephesus, he obviously encountered Paul, or he heard Paul preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And he got saved. Hallelujah. Step one. And then he obviously was discipled there in Ephesus, and he was equipped. And then he went back. To the city of Colossae and began to preach the gospel and soon formed a whole new community. Now, isn't that what we see today? Right here, Stonehenge. How many churches have we seen established by people who come in here and saved, discipled, equipped, who got out and have done and replicated and reproduced? That's the way. New Testament Christianity should be. You're in a church that just takes people in and never lets them out. <laughs> Something wrong. So that's just a little, by the way, of what we can find out in the book of Ephesians. But uh, the, the main thing was, of course, Paul's been loving care for these people. 
he gives thanks for them, reminds them that he's praying for them. And that also we see. If, you know, we are so privileged to live under the leadership that cares deeply about the people that they, that they lead. I tell you, this is unique. It's not, it should be, but it's not necessarily happening everywhere in the, in the Christian world. So we must never take these things for granted. I tell you, there is, there is strength in community. There is strength in being co connected into the vibrant body of Christ. It's the safest and best place for you to be. Sitting under a wonderful leadership that cares for you, that prays for you, that wants you to, to, to see you develop to all the fullness of what God has already done in you through Christ. That's wonderful. And uh, what he's trying to say to them and encourage them is that the, the, his real hope is that that they will have, because of the spirit of Christ living in them, they will experience the fullness of Christ. And as he declares, for that point of it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And of course now we come to what was Paul specifically about. Well, he was very concerned that these believers, I mean, many of them probably quite new believers, didn't want them to be hoodwinked and deceived by teaching and seeding doctrines that were going around and in a sense reverting to the old ways that the Jewish believers basically still had a still had quite a hook to them. And uh, in many ways it's 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 uh, it's relevant to us today as well. Reverting to old ways is something we have to be careful of. When we've been given this wonderful truth, we need that truth to take root in us so that we don't convert confused old ways. So Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. So how did you receive Christ? By faith. How should you continue to live in Christ? One, two, three. By faith. You live in Christ. Yeah, of course. That's the only way we live by faith. That's the truth that must be firmly implanted in our spirits. It must be established beyond doubt. Never ever doubt. Live by faith. Faith or believing in God's grace from, from the start to the finish. Romans chapter 1 verse 17, that wonderful passage of scripture, it says, In the gospel there is the righteousness from God which is revealed, and it's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Nothing else. The righteous shall live by faith. That's the only way that we live, right? We live by faith. Every single moment of every day we live by faith. Not how we feel necessary, but we live by faith. 
that's the only way to live successfully. Never forget that. And you know the sad thing is, we've all heard this many times before, I'm sure. But we don't know that in the sense that we actually do live that way. You know, we should be living by hope. And this is the, the, the challenge that, that Paul saw for many of the Colossian believers. So many of us are still, even if it's subconsciously, trying to please God in some way or other, in the hopes that uh, you know, we'll qualify for everything that He has in store for us, or earn what, what He has already freely given to us. You know, many people say, yeah, well, I know, you know, I'm saved by grace. God's given me a, a new start in life, but now, now comes the challenge. I'll be living this out. I've got to really watch myself and see how I live. You know, in other words, saying, God's grace is no longer enough for me. God's grace gave me more than a fresh start. Gave you the way to live successfully and full. So, these poor these Colossians were a bit like the Galatians, you know, that Paul also wrote to about the same issue. That's a common thing here. What, what, what Paul is addressing here are things that many believers today are still grappling with. And that's why I'm saying we see that living by faith and being established in the grace of God that it is from the moment you were saved, right through the whole of life, you live by faith. The grace of God from first to last. Nothing in between. No additionals. No add-ons. And you've got to grasp that and not only say, no, no, no that's true. You've got to actually it's going to be so rooted in us that in fact is the way we live every day. Amen. See, that's what happened to the Galatians. They started off so well, rejoicing in the grace of God, but then somehow, you know, in this performance oriented world that we live in and that they live in, and the religious jargons that we picked up along the way, we get into this trap of believing God. You know, that's good, but you know, I also have to be sure that I do the right things, etc., etc. So, self evident performance uh, and Religious requirements are still have a deep hold on us. But when I look back at my own life, I sometimes still catch myself saying, What are you doing? You're free of that. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm talking a good number of years, eh? So, so we are, we, you know, we are, we are living in a world that is so steeped in self effort and achievement performance, it has a bigger hold on you than you perhaps think sometimes. But it needn't be the way you live in the freedom that Jesus wants you to live. And so often we find churches filled with people who are doing everything that they can, being involved in missions, getting involved in this, doing that, sowing financially. Uh, serving in the soup kitchens for the wrong reasons. 
that's you. All I can say is, stop it. <laughs> stop it. That's all good in the middle things. We all we do. Those are part of those are part of the evidence of life in the church. But they must flow from a place of freedom. Not from a place of duty or I have to do this in order to. Save by grace. Live by grace. So Paul says to the Romans, grace in which we now stand. Not just in a grace by which we were saved, but in which we now stand. As you receive Christ as Lord, says Paul to the Colossians again, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Jesus is the central focus point. Nothing else. Never let it be anything else. It's not that Jesus and some other things. And when you hear people adding things onto you, they're in need to, to have Jesus as the focal point of your life. Beware. Yeah. It's not a good thing. So, the question to ask ourselves is that, is this the way I am living? See, every moment of every day is no different from the initial embrace that you received when you came into God's life, when you came, into, to God, came back to God. When He welcomed you to a new life in Him, there's a moment that you never forget, I'm sure. You know that nothing ever changes. Not a single day goes by when God is not delighted. Thrilled and just absolutely for you every moment of every day. So let's stay away from empty philosophies and old religious and human traditions. Keep yourself in Christ. It's all you need. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you. Now that is the vital key for us. It's important that we never forget who we are as a believer. Who are you? Your new identity. That will never ever change. Then there's also a wonderful declaration in, in the Good News is to, to tell you where you are. And that also never changes. As a believer, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. And He, that is Christ, is in you. Now that's a double emphasis. You're in Christ and He's in you. So there can be no doubt that anything else is necessary. And as I said, that never changes. Jesus said, I'm, I'm with you always. Always means always. Right now, this afternoon, yesterday, forever. He is with you always. Why? Because He is in you. And you are in Him. Now, we don't come here to connect with Jesus. That's right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you've come here to connect with Jesus, you're missing out. Because He's connected to you all the time. 
some of you are looking like, eh? what are you talking about? You just look into this letter of Colossians and see how many times Paul mentions this. In chapter 1, verse 27, we've already looked at it. It says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, You have been given fullness in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Wow, that's awesome stuff. Yes. In fact, I've been looking for a word that is better than awesome, and I'm coming to that now. <laughs> but that phrase, in Christ, you know that it's used something like 170 times in the New Testament, in Christ. And that, and that makes that, and for me, an absolutely key phrase. Yeah. It's something that should be inscribed in your spirit in such a way that you never forget it. Uh, I read in, in one commentator's thing that I was reading, where he says, Being in Christ is a stupendous reality. And I said, That's it! That's the word I've been looking for. You know, awesome, everything's awesome these days. <laughs> awesome has lost its awesomeness. <laughs> it's a word that has kind of been drained of its powerful meaning. So I thought it's time to discard it because when we talk about the things of God, you know, awesome is just like, oh, the ice cream is awesome. And oh, that place is awesome. Oh, yeah, God is not dead, man. <laughs> He's stupendous. And so, uh, I want to say that this is a stupendous truth. It's a stupendous truth. Because stupendous means extremely impressive. To be wondered at. That's the meaning of stupendous. I think it's better be stupid. stupid. So, being in Christ is not, is not a theological concept. That's right. Because, you know, if it's a theological concept, well, then we can kind of put it in the realm of intellectualism or whatever. Otherwise, it's a spiritual reality. You know, we, we live by the Spirit. Everything about us is spirit orientation. This is something that we've also got across. That our true life is spiritual. That God is a spirit. Those who would worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the things we're talking about, Paul is talking about here, our whole life of believers is, is a spiritual experience. It's not how my emotions tell me I'm feeling or not feeling or whatever. 
Because that's what things going to change. But the spiritual truths remain constant. Uh, inalienable, can't be taken from. They are truths that will last for eternity. See, when, when we got saved, and something dramatic happened to us, it was tremendous, beyond measure. So, it's breathtaking, really, to grasp what it means to be in Christ. So, it's not only important to know who you are and whose you are. I want to submit to you also, it's important to know where you are. Right now, bodily, you are seated here on a chair, in a, in a, in a room, in a hotel. But the spirit is connected to the living Christ. He is in you, and you are in him. Now, you may not be feeling particularly great this morning, or particularly like you're on fire for you, or whatever you feel. But that truth remains yours. Hold on to it. Don't let it be taken from you. By all sorts of other pressures of life that are whirling around us all the time. We're all in the same boat in that sense. But we have a different Different because of who is in us, in our spirits. You see, you can't understand this concept of being in Christ through reasoning or through logic. It's not something that our minds can wrap around very easily. That's why we have this wonderful revelation. Truth is revealed to us from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit Himself. The Spirit of God has to make that reality in our lives. So it's not just something because someone said it, it has to become a point of ownership, owned by yourself. It has to be revealed to you. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of you are looking a little confessed. Don't be confessed. Because you're a mess. The Spirit of God is in you. But don't try to figure it out mentally. Because you will just go out all sorts of anyways. So there are lots of scriptures I can share with you around us. And uh, it would be good if they come out there just to make a note of them and write them down. Because the way we the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us is when we actually reading the Word and He is teaching us from the Word. He is explaining from us. The way it is that, that suddenly that Word just leaps to life in you. You say, wow, that's awesome. I mean, I remember when I first allowed the Holy Spirit access into to my meditations on, on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I tell you, I then jumped through the roof where it says, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 
just like that, for sure. And I'll tell you, when I read that, it's wow, man. This, and it just never left me. I know that the old is gone. Sometimes the old kind of looks like it's trying to take control, but it's gone. Because I have Christ. You put us. So, and the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God's word to you. It will transform what you think about. That's what we need. Eh? The renewing of our minds, as we read up in Romans chapter 12. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And our minds can only be renewed by the truth of God's word exploding within our spirits through the revelation and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So, here's an awesome, stupendous, awesome truth <laughs> that's set out for us in Romans chapter 6. I mean, this is, this, is, this is how it works. The very second that we believe, the very second you say, yes, the moment you receive Christ, God put you into Christ. Straight away, you were united with Christ. You didn't have to join a new class to see if you qualify. The moment you said yes to Jesus, whether you felt like it or uh, how you might have felt. But spiritually, that's what happened to you. Now that, you cannot change that. You can meditate about it, you can try to figure it out. It's not going to change anything. That's what happened to you. That's what the Word of God refers to us. There it is. Amen. So Romans chapter 6 verse 5, and then the King James Version that uses a very important phrase. It says, if we've been planted together with him in his death, we will certainly, 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 not maybe, certainly, also be united with him in his resurrection. That word, planted together, is, in more modern translations, it says, if anyone is united with him in his death, but planted together, here yeah, we just have to look at a little bit of Greek for the moment, because this is a significant aspect of it. That Greek word that is used for planted together is a, is a word called symphutos. Symphutos. And that is about the strongest word for union, being united, that you could possibly think of. For sulfutos literally means being born together. It means together with. It means of joint origin. It means tightly, tightly bound up in closeness. How do you catch that awesomeness of those words? You are tightly bound up. It's not like you have patched on or united and holy hands. This is a this is a, 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 a unity of such 
intimacy. It is a total binding together. It's like when I think in mythology, if you take copper uh, and iron or something and you, you melt them together, it's bronze. You can't tell one from the other. Now that is the truth about you right now in Christ. You and Christ are, you are so close, you are one. In fact, isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, eh? But that's the truth. And that's how we've got to live, guys. That's, that's the way we've got to see ourselves every day. But you're not just, you know, well, I keep getting with Jesus so tough. He is, he is so intimately bound up in your spirit. Your spirit, his spirit. Joined together, tightly bound. You can't actually emphasize enough the tightness or the closeness of our position in Christ. We are tightly bound up with Him. And when you're tightly bound up with Him, nothing is ever going to separate you from that. Hallelujah! That's all I can say. Not tied on or glued on or completely pulled away from. We are fused into him and he into us. We form, we are united to form a single whole. So he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's what it means. One spirit. So that when they look, when, if you could see your spirit, you wouldn't be able to tell, is it you or Jesus? If what? I hope this is helping you. <laughs> sure. So it's I know these things are a bit difficult to grasp, but we have to grasp them. Otherwise, we're going to learn about the Colossians, you know. We hear all sorts of things being taught us and told us and our friends communicate things to us, and you know, we, we, we don't live in the freedom that Christ intends for us to live in Him. So, I think the most wonderful picture of this tightly bound togetherness is revealed to us when Jesus teaches about Him being the vine and we are the branches. Because that's exactly what happens. We are grafted into the vine. We are the branch, grafted into the vine cell. And when that grafting takes place, it can never be separated. And so the flow of life from the vine flows into the branches. The fruitfulness of the vine becomes the fruitfulness of the branches. That's the way we're intended to live. His life has become my life. Hallelujah. I was going to say, but I won't go down that road. So, you see, you can't understand your life in isolation from Christ or apart from Christ. From now on, you are one with him. 
So being in Christ is, is a reality that governs our lives and fulfills God's good purpose, vision of purpose for us. But she mentions in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that he chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy, holy and blameless in his sight. In Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. Nothing will be able, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can unseparate you now. So when, 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 when we understand that nothing, nothing, Absolutely nothing. And you try to fit in whatever you like there, but nothing can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because you're in Christ Jesus. I feel someone really needs to grasp that particular point. Nothing is going to separate you love of God that is in Christ Jesus. As I've already mentioned, you become a new creation in Christ. We saw it, as I mentioned, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. When you're in Christ, you became a new creation. Nothing can change that. You can't become an old creation again. Because the old is gone. You're in the new, and you are in Christ. But that, you, you can never reverse something that you, that you were before. You are also a son or a daughter of God. You are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to the Galatians, chapter 3. So, in Christ is where we are always. Yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing for us is to take ownership of the stupendous vital aspect of our identity. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Paul reminds us, he says, Let's give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. For in our union with Christ, he has blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. Cannot be undone. In our new life in Christ, we are blessed. 100%. Every spiritual blessing is ours. We don't have to work or towards, we don't have to go through processes to gain. We can enlarge our understanding of these things. They are powerful. So, what is this blessing? Well, first of all, salvation. Because we know we weren't saved by, by obeying some rules or by proving that we're living a faultless life. 
He was saved by receiving and blessing Jesus. We received Him, our Christ. We are all saved because we are one with Him. That you may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus. All right, it's typical. Now, salvation isn't about being in a boat, a bright boat with a ticket to heaven. It's about being put into Jesus Christ. You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth and gospel of your salvation. This is some of the 170 times that we're talking about in Christ. It's there all the time. And I tell you, if we grasp that, nothing will ever be able to keep us down or distracted. Your impact can never be out of it. It is absolutely stupendous. You are as secure as Jesus is secure. That's stupendous. So when attacks come against you, when you're feeling condemnation, when thoughts plague you about something you have done or haven't done, remember that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you can just say to that thought, and that is where I am right now. So, thank you. And there's the blessing of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that in him, again, in him, we might be made the righteousness of God. And good news, Bible version, good news version. It says that Christ was without sin, but for our sake, God made him share our sin in order that in union with him, we might share the righteousness of God. You are righteous, not because you earned it, but because he is righteous, and because he shares his righteousness with us. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. You couldn't find for a better righteousness than that anyway. What about holiness? Another blessing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 reminds us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a people who belong to God. We are all of us. Not becoming them, we follow us already. Why? Because we aren't living to achieve something, we have already received all of that. We are holy because we're in Christ, in union with Him. And Paul says, if the root is holy, so are the branches. So,
facing these rigorous truths. What about our authority? We have, we, have, we have all authority as believers, each and every one of us. We have all authority to heal the sick. We have all authority to cast out demons because we have His authority. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realm. We are seated in the very place of authority in Christ. But we can never be taken from there. We can forget sometimes that that's where we're seated. You might be seated in a chair, but spiritually you are seated somewhere far more profound, in a place of authority. Right now, seated in Jesus, union with the one who has defeated the enemy. I like this today, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25. says that Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And then in Romans chapter 16, verse 24, and he says, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. His feet, your feet. His feet, our feet. Same feet. Isn't that wonderful? So let's be bold in exercising the authority which we have in Christ every day. And so, friends, hey, there are so many stupendous blessings by being one in Christ. Forgiveness in Him, perfection in Him, reconciliation through Him. Peace, joy, and provision in him. They all come and are all ours through being tightly bound up in oneness, closeness with Christ. For in him we have been enriched in every way in all things. That just kind of ties it all up, doesn't it? So the blessing of being in Christ is a stupendous reality. If it hasn't been, I hope it does become. I pray that it becomes a stupendous reality. That we are sharing in His life. We are participating in His divine nature. The Godhead flows through us to others through Him. We can enjoy being loved by him and loving others with that love. <laughs> we were talking about that. And we can enjoy fellowship every moment of every day with him. Because he's right with you. You're again. That amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it is, it's a wonderful thing to be able to draw aside and spend time with just quietness and reflection and meditation. But then, in the busiest moment of your life, every day, you are in communion with him. Just become aware of the fact he is in you. You are in him. So, friends, 
32, we read in Acts chapter 17 that in him, in him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. That's the way we intended to live. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.